There's an overwhelming amount of financial advice in the news and on social media. Who do you listen to? Are they looking out for what's best for you? How do you tune out the noise? In this podcast, trusted advisors Emily Augusto, CPA, and Amanda Vaught, JD, bring their extensive education and experience to delve into all aspects of personal finance. Emily and Amanda make topics like investing, taxes, and financial planning interesting and accessible. And they provide a framework to help you think through the plethora of financial advice and news out there. Are you ready to start making the best personal financial decisions for you? Welcome to Connecting the Dollars with Propel Financial Advisors. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Emily. Um, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Good. Um, you know, it's like the the dog day go, days of August, really, in New York. It's like super humid and and everybody's on vacation. And um, yeah. And then I also noticed on Facebook, it's not in New York where I am, but uh, a lot of back to school pictures are popping out, which I think yeah. are really fun. Yeah, totally. Over here in Chicago, I'm also seeing a lot of friends posting their back to school photos and we have the air and water show going on right now. So apologies if you hear any planes. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a fun time, but also kind of that like, not that you dread going back to school, but it's like vacations winding down and you got to start thinking about real life again. Mm -hmm. Like some nerves start going. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. Even still, like I haven't been in school in so long and you still get that like back to school anticipation. You can like yes. move in the air, right? Yes. I see the school supplies and I like want to go buy them all. <laughs> don't need to. <laughs> anyway, um, so in our last episode, we talked about student loan repayments and how to kind of start planning for making those payments because they're going to be resuming soon. Um, but today we wanted to get a little bit more into some of the key dates and some of the more some of the details that you need to think about. Um, so, what is it? We start. They start the interest back on September first. Is that right? Yeah, interest starts accruing September first, and that of twenty twenty three, and then the payments resume in October. Um, so I would say, like personally, I'm going to have to start repaying all my student loans, and so I was like, well, that's dumb. You have to have a month of interest, and the, yeah. until you can start paying, like the the servicer won't accept payment until October. Oh, it's like um, an easy grab for them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then you're like, well, okay, I haven't paid interest for three months. Like, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know, for, for years, yeah. Did I say three months? I yeah, three years. Three years. Um, yes, uh, three years. Um, so you know, it is what it is, and you know, That's you can't control everything. You just have to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what are some of the other? Um, I guess we were talking about income-based repayments. Can you? Oh yeah. So the, those? yeah. So. Um, I think there's different options when you're repaying your loans. One of them is to do an income-based repayment plan. Um, and so for the uh, people who are doing those, uh, and then that you have to be on the income-based repayment plan if you're going to apply for student loan forgiveness, like right. through the public student loan forgiveness program. Um, 
So for people who are on that plan, if you certified your income, say in 2020, before the pause went into effect, and now your income is low, it's changed, right? It's going to probably be either lower or higher. Typically, people don't keep the same income, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that certification begins in March 2024. Um, and that's the earliest you can certify your income. Um, so that becomes an issue of a little bit of strategy, depending on if your income has gone up or if your income has gone down. Um, because if your income has gone up, you're going to have a higher monthly payment. And if that's the case, you probably don't want to be making that higher monthly payment. Um, yeah. So you should delay that recertification as long as possible. So the March date is the earliest you can certify. I haven't seen um, a date for when is the latest. Um, but if your income has gone up, I would say don't rush to go in and recertify. Yeah. Um, but if your income has gone down, do it the first thing you can. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's tough if your income has gone down a lot mm -hmm. since 2020 and your payment is going to be based on your old income. Um, that could, you know, I don't know, people could be in a bind there. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming so when we do, so it would be based on your 2022 tax return or your 2023 tax return that isn't done yet. So you already know what your 2022 tax return looks like. So kind of just do some quick planning and see what your 2023 might shake out. And then you can determine which one might be better to recertify with. I think, I mean, it sounds like that's allowed. So yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Not, like break any rules, but yeah. 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 But the one, I mean, the one out that they have implemented is this 12 month um, grace period where you don't have to make a payment or, I mean, you don't have to and by meaning that they're not going to send you into default right. um, for failure to make a payment. But it's still going to be accruing interest. Yeah. You'll still be accruing the interest, but you won't be in danger of damaging your credit or, um, you know, having people call you on the phone all the time being like, you owe us money. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully you and everyone else, all of us who are paying student loans, hopefully have been preparing for this. Um, it has been a nice little holiday for us over the past three years, but yeah, hopefully you don't have to take advantage of that. Yeah. Default. Yeah. Hopefully people have had this on the radar that yeah. they know this is going to be impacting their budgets and they've begun to think about okay do i what do i have to cut back to make sure i can make this this payment um, right so exactly just some more fun back to school planning yeah right um, talk about back to school nerves like oh extra you know i don't know i think um you know my kids are younger you know we're talking about college payments but even um for little kids it's just there are a lot of expenses going back to school it's like oh i'm sure new backpack, new school supplies, new shoes, like whatever. It's just like endless. It feels like sometimes. And so the, all of that extra expense on top of, you know, then the student loan payment on top of it. I mean, you know, you, it adds up and you've got to just watch your, watch your budget. So, yeah. So on the same theme of, this is kind of our back to school student loan payment. Like, let's talk about saving for college. So you said you have little kids. Um, 
and the things you can take advantage of when your kids are smaller or younger is mm -hmm. like potentially setting up 529 plans for them. There's a huge, or well, there's been a lot of research, I guess, in the past that have shown putting your money in a 529 versus just in a typical savings account. Um, the tax benefits usually are outweighing like so big. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they're big. I mean, we can't say it's always guaranteed, but there are tax advantages to those accounts. Um, so it's definitely something to consider, especially when you're, when your kids are young. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you're using a 529 versus like a regular brokerage investing account, mm -hmm. well, you know, I've seen number, it's like tens of thousands of dollars difference oh. that you're saving in those taxes from the gains you get over your returns over 20 years, say, yeah. um, that you don't have to pay capital gains tax on or income tax if those paying dividends, right? Mm -hmm. Or, um, or coupons from bonds, right? If you have bonds in your 529, that's significant when you take those out. Um, you know, also 529s, depending on your state, it's very state dependent, but a lot of states offer a tax deduction or what do we say, a potential tax deduction. Yes. Um, I mean, in, I'm here in New York, I know it's um, $5,000 is the limit um, and that's per person. So if you are, a couple that would be five thousand dollars each saving for a child you can get um potential tax deduction for that um mm -hmm. so there's just a lot of benefits to those yeah. those plans i you know and then there's awful statistics that it's like something like 10 percent of people with children are using 529s and it's just um they're they're great so they're not and they're not that complicated i feel like a lot of people when i mention this to them they're like uh I don't, I don't do those. It's just another account that I have to open. Yeah. Like, it's like but, an administrative thing. Yeah. Right? An administrative burden, but they yeah. really are helpful. And like, you don't have to be in, so I'm in Illinois. If I wanted to open one for, I don't know, my niece or something, I could open it in any state. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be the state you're in. So Mm -hmm. There's a lot to unpack there. I think we deep dive, deep dove into it in a prior episode. So we can link that in our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, per, yeah, it's hard. It is. It's like, who wants to open another account, create another mm -hmm. password, like one more thing to keep track yeah. of. Um, but I mean, yes, that's annoying. I agree. That's annoying. I don't like it either. <sighs> but if you're like, okay, is that worth yeah. And you can automate thousand dollars. You're like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And most people could just automate like monthly payments into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of more like a set it and forget it type of investment. Mm -hmm. So that's how I have mine. It's just yeah. every month it just comes straight payday goes out, you know? And then yes, it's, a, it's not even that hard to initially set up. You just have to sit down and do it. And then once you set up the auto payment, it's just, you just let it sit and it's mm -hmm. not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, the only thing it becomes a big deal is like tracking down the tax form for my taxes at the end of the year. That's mm -hmm. probably the hardest thing, which is really not that hard, right? Yeah. Just sort of part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, people should definitely take advantage of those if they can. Yeah. Um, and then, so college savings is one part of the picture, but 
if you have older kids and they are going to college or they're about to go to college, paying for college is a huge thing that people need to talk about in financial planning. Like, for example, they have a 529 or they don't, and maybe they have enough to cover some of it. Um, and maybe, let's say, a parent wants to take money out of their retirement to pay college or take on all their student loans. What would you say to someone who is thinking about a parent who's thinking about doing that for their child? Um, I would say that's great. <laughs> you know, that's nice. great impulse. Yes, that's awesome that you want to do that for your kids. Um, I think sometimes when um, when we have children, it's easy to prioritize their wants and needs over our own. Um, we see that all the time. It's just it's a very normal thing to yeah. want to do. Um, and sometimes um, it can come at the um, by sacrificing your own retirement savings or your own financial well-being. And that's when we have to sort of say, wait, wait, let's hold on a second and let's look at this and think about this a little more, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you only get one shot really at savings for your retirement. If you, if you miss it, you, you miss it. I mean, there's no going back to like compound returns from 10 yeah. years ago, you know? Um, and so, you know, I say to people who are more worried about prioritizing their children, when you're saving for your own retirement, you are actually prioritizing your children because you don't want to become a financial burden for them once, um, they're older. And yeah. it's one thing to say, well, I know my kids would help me if I'm older, if I needed it. And it's like, yes, hopefully they would, but also like, let's not force the issue, you know, right. like be forced to care for you versus having it be a choice is, is two totally different things. Yeah. Um, and you might know and love your child, but you don't know who their spouse is going to be, or, you know, if that's going to cause issues. I mean, when do in-laws not cause issues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, they, it's just the thing you just, you can't anticipate all of these things. So. Yeah. And maybe by that time, they're also going to have kids and then they'll have to take care of kids and you like that, that could be very difficult on a person. Yeah. Yeah. So preparing yourself for your own retirement, we always say as the first priority over college savings, um, just for, for those. Yeah. For practical reasons. It's right. like, it's either one or the other, then you have to focus on your retirement. And for college savings, like I don't even have children, but I can totally see how it's so much easier to think about, okay, my kid is two and they're gonna go to college when they're 18. So I have this window of time and this is how much college is gonna cost. It's easier, it's just math. But with retirement, it's like, even if it's 18 years away or you know, the same time frame, it's mm -hmm. there's so many more unknowns and it's just harder to like think about yourself being in that situation um of being able yeah. to retire and you know how much money do i need i don't know how long am i going to live i don't know so it becomes this like financial planning estate planning kind of question and yeah prioritizing your retirement i mean there are yeah. other things for student loans you um there are student loans out there that your kids can get there are scholarship programs there's you know more options available you can't get a scholarship for retirement unfortunately I know. Yeah. Those are all great points. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, we're having this general conversation, but obviously everybody's different. They have different income, different abilities to save different priorities. So it, you know, we're speaking in broad strokes, but um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Um, I was going to say one thing we meant to, to touch on was the um, the new SECURE Act 2.0 has a couple of things that um, of back to school. Um, one of them is relates to student loan payments and the other one is the new options for 529 plans. Um, so you want to um, discuss a little bit the student loan payment provision, Emily? The student loan payment provision through employers? Oh yeah, through employer retirement plans. Yeah, so it's not, it could change. It's not fully finalized yet. It's potentially gonna take effect in 2024, but they're allowing for employers um, of a certain size to be able to pay back student loans in lieu of, or in the by way of retirement plans. So like it's, you're able to like take more of a salary reduction into your retirement account instead of paying your student loan directly. Did I say that right? <laughs> just kind of in my head. I don't know. We'll link the rule, the actual yeah, rule. Yeah, I think in case I modeled that writing, one. Yeah, they're still writing the rules um, for how it's gonna work. Um, right. um, but if, if you do feel like you're making payments on your student loan and that's gonna crimp you being able to save for your own retirement, then um, you may be able to get a match for that through your employer through this. Right. So that's right. It's in the form of a match. Yeah. So I think um, the details are still getting written, um, which is an issue with a lot of the new laws and provisions mm -hmm. in the Secure Act 2.0. Is that um, a lot of employers have balked and other like banks saying these are a lot of changes and we can't implement this. So. Um, there is some noise that they might push back the implementation of these things. Um, so hopefully, I mean, it's it's too bad because I think a lot of these things can help people, but so hopefully yeah. it's sorted soon. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt to just ask your employer every now and then, like, hey, do you know about this? Is this yeah. a thing? Um, yeah, keep else? it on your radar. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the 529, I have talked to some people where this has made a difference for them where uh, after 15 years, you can, if you have extra money in your 529, you can roll it over into a Roth for your kid, for your child. So um, I think that has made some people hesitant to use 529s, like in case, oh, I don't want to have extra money in there or whatever. And so having that um, like release valve to move it into a Roth um, right. has been helpful. Yeah, there used to be, or maybe there still is, a provision on how old you are at the time the owner of the 529 is not the beneficiary so definitely keep those in mind there are they're all kind of rules there's all kinds yeah. of rules there's and different rules to too that. depending on the states for the 529 so right yeah okay <laughs> my gosh even where i'm getting confused about all this stuff. i know it's it's there's a lot of like little these little nitpicky rules and unfortunately that makes it harder for people to use 529 plans yeah. like oh like it's like whatever yeah too much don't want to deal with it yes so i would definitely say you know we follow these rules we're on top of them we know they're different for different states but um we're familiar with you know i'm familiar with the new york one several other states we use for clients as well mm -hmm. like if you're thinking about it and have some questions like just please reach out and ask yes. us because it does get confusing so right and as these laws come out we'll get some clarity yeah yeah so um, yeah and my 
my brain is a little bit still in vacation mode because oh, I'm yes. taking my trip in a, in a, about two weeks. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Do we have time to do listener question, Emily? Yeah, I was kind okay. of getting into that one. Okay. So you have a listener question. Um, I went way over my budget on vacation. I just got my credit card statement. Um, what do I do about it? What do you think? I don't know. I just, I know. <laughs> I think I can relate. Um, I just, you know. My first question is, did you enjoy your vacation? Yeah, I was going to say, was it fun? Was it worth it? You yeah. Because I don't know. You know, you talk about money stuff and it's all the time and it's just like, at the end of the day, isn't that what the money is for? To like yeah. have fun and have a Enjoy. nice vacation and hopefully have fun with your family or friends, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I don't know, personally, I think if you're going to go over budget, you know, might as well make it on a vacation. Um, yeah. But, you know, and then the next, you know, in the next breath, I was talking about the importance of prioritizing 529 savings. And it's like, how are you going to save for, college if you're blowing all your money at disney world you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you gotta um you know do what you can there but yeah and it just becomes a matter of like behavioral finance like don't beat yourself up over it yeah like maybe you carry a credit card balance for a small amount of time i mean that's what credit cards are for um hopefully it's not you know adding to more debt but yeah we just yeah. have to kind of like move on maybe you know don't eat out this month a couple times I don't know everyone has their little things they can cut back and it doesn't have to be forever it's just like a yeah. temporary whoops yeah yeah exactly like don't don't let it throw you off track is the main yeah. thing you just say well I blew my budget might as well just keep blowing it because yeah. I need this stuff that's like the worst thing you can do mm -hmm. right yeah totally. um, but if you do have kids you know going back to school time is you know that's going to be tough on your budget too so um exactly just and the holidays and get back on track and just yeah. try to do better next time and yeah. then while you're getting back on track and also saving for your 529 plan and paying for all your back to school costs oh my gosh put a little extra money in your budget for next year's vacation too. there you go yeah don't yeah. let it snowball yeah, yeah. The, the numbers will add up somehow <laughs> oh my gosh we're giving great advice here we're I know. <laughs> saving the world <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just, mm -hmm. it's tough. And like everyone has expenses and. Yeah. Just... Sometimes you get squeezed. It's just sort of. Yeah. It's like okay. it's not forever. Yeah. It's you not can, forever. You Don't get through yourself it. Up. Yeah. Move on. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Okay. I think that covers it for yeah. today. Um, we'll link those, anything we mentioned in the show notes and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. That will do it for this episode of Connecting the Dollars. Nothing discussed in this episode should be considered legal, financial, or tax advice. If you like what you heard, please subscribe for more at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your content. When you do, please give us a rating and a review. To see the links we mentioned in our show, along with other great Propel Financial Advisors content, go to ConnectingTheDollars.com. You can find our past episodes there and subscribe to our newsletter. And if you're still here because you have a general question, you can email us directly at info at connectingthedollars.com. Or 
If you're interested in working with us, click the Schedule a Consultation button on our website. Thank you for listening.